Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Welcome to our show. That sounded a bit weird, didn't it? It's, fa- it's set phasers time. Hello, Stevie, and welcome to our show. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where that came from. We should really just go with a script. No, this is perfect. It should be highly illogical to start. Uh, well, and listeners, welcome to our show. That actually makes sense. Uh, this is set phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. And it is Stardate 313515.8. We're discussing Season 1, Episode 3 of Star Trek Lower Decks. A little episode entitled Temporal Edict. Mm -hmm. Temporal Edict. One of my favorite episodes of the series. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, yes. I love Buffer Time. I love Mm. this is very connected to the concept and spirit of Lower Decks. And the Easter egg at the very end is near and dear to my heart. All right. Well, I, I mean, I wouldn't say it was my favorite one, but I think it really establishes a lot of things. Yeah. But I wouldn't say it's my favorite. I have to go through the end and then decide my favorite. Well, I'm not saying it's my favorite. I would never say that. Just one of. One of. Uh, it would be too hard to choose, but I think everything here, you get a sense of the ship's position in Starfleet. They have a chip on their shoulder. Captain Freeman's shows uh, some neuroses and also possibly how she is not so unlike her own daughter in uh, in being uh, driven. But don't let me get ahead of us. Mm. Perhaps we should run it down. Let's run it down. It's time to run it down. Can you run it down for me? Can you run it down? Okay. Well, here's the thing. I'm realizing as we go through these episodes, there's always like a cold open out front, but it has nothing to do with the episode per se. It's just like a, Mm -hmm. it's just like a random little vignette. Anyway, this one's great. Uh, It's uh, Boimler doing like a violin recital for an audience uh, in their version of, of, I guess, like 10 forward or whatever. And uh, he finishes with a flourish, and no one really seems to care. And then he's immediately upstaged by Mariner and Tendi, uh, who show up with like an electric guitar act uh, uh, and electric drums. And the sound is super loud, and it's booming like through the ship and like out into space. And then on on the bridge, the ship is approached by a Klingon bird of prey, and they demand to know uh, why there's like s- super fat bass coming from the ship and uh, Captain Freeman pretends that she can't hear it. She's like, I don't know what you're hearing. Uh, maybe it's coming from you guys. And then she mutes and then she tells Shax to go get whoever's playing to stop. And of course, Mariner and Tendi finish their song 
and leave the stage. And as Boimler begins another uh, quiet violin piece, Shax bursts in and snaps the violin in half because he thinks it is the reason for the Klingon's interest. And that is the cold open. Now we get to the meat of one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek Lower Decks. <laughs> okay, so basically the inciting incident is that the Cerritos is supposed to be headed to Cardassia Prime in order to engage in like, uh, I don't know, some sort of uh, like negotiations with Cardassia. And it's a whole thing. And Captain Freeman's very excited about it. But then it turns out, out, out that they're deciding not to do the negotiations on Cardassia Prime because nobody in Starfleet or anywhere wants to go to Cardassia. So they're going to have the negotiations on Vulcan. And so they're going to have uh, the Cerritos instead go to Gelrak 5 and deliver some, quote, diplomatic trinkets to the people there. Uh, and so Freeman is, like, upset. Captain Freeman is upset because it feels like a slight to the ship, not just her captaincy, but to the ship. But she immediately feels like it's the ship is not being taken seriously. And this is interesting because Ransom, her number one, is like, oh, well, I mean, maybe it's it's not that Starfleet doesn't take us too seriously. It's, you know, but Captain Freeman will not be uh, mollified. Meanwhile, in the brig, the ensigns, Mariner, Tendi, Boimler, and Rutherford, I got all their names right, are testing the force fields that go in front of the, like, cells and Boimler's on one side of them and they bring up the force field and then Mariner shoots a phaser at him and Boimler gets all upset. And then they, you know, the force field holds successfully. So they're like, great. And then Mariner orders like four margaritas from the replicator. She's like, great. Now let's have some drinks. And Tendi, who you'll remember is new to maybe to Starfleet in general, I guess. Uh, like maybe just got out, fresh out of the academy, not just new to the ship. Uh, she's like, oh, I thought, well, we're done. We should report that we're done and get our next assignments. And that's when she learns about the Lower Decks concept of buffer time. Super important. Buffer time is when you're done with your work, you don't tell your superiors immediately. You take a little break for yourself. They have no idea how long it takes to fix things. And then you move on to the next thing when you're ready. And Tendi's like, oh, shouldn't we tell them? And then they're like, no, 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 no. Trust me. This is the way it should be. And even Boimler, who's sort of anti, you know, this seems like it would fly in the face of his whole thing. He's like, it's a tradition. So then Tendi immediately gets called by, oh man, I wrote down her name, Dr. Tiana. And she's like, how long will it take you to fix a bio bed? And Tendi goes, it'll take uh, five hours, which is a gross arrestment. And Tiana's like, great, cool, thank you. And so they enjoy their sweet, sweet buffer time. Meanwhile, Freeman is on a rampage through the ship, trying to like, I don't know, dot all the I's and cross all the T's and yelling at everybody, burst into the lounge and she screams at everyone for not working and she's like, get back to work. And then she hears, she hears, the captain hears about this buffer time business. And she wonders what it is, but the person who said it runs away and then she manages to corner Boimler, the snitch, in a turbo lift. And she's like, you're going to tell me what this buffer time business is or else. And so buffer, uh, so buffer. And so Boimler explains buffer time. Buffer does not explain Boimler time. And the captain decides no more buffer time. Buffer time is 86. It's 86. No more buffer time. You got to check in as soon as you start and finish things. And so she thinks this is going to whip the ship into shape. And I think 
Captain Freeman thinks that this will make them taken more seriously by Starfleet. Anyway, they're also headed to Galrak 5. Nobody knows that Boimler is the one who told Freeman about buffer time. I think Mariner blames Delta Shift, which is actually one of my quotes. And so a week of this goes by with the crew all working super hard and not having any breaks. And you can see that people are starting to look a little worn thin. There's bags under people's eyes, including the captains eventually. And everyone is stressed and things are not working correctly. And the only person who's unaffected by this uh, new regiment is Boimler, who's having the time of his life. He's finishing tasks. He's asking for more work. So anyway, they get to Galrak 5 and Ransom is leading the away mission and Mariner is on the away team. And apparently they don't get along or sparks fly. So we would think. Yes. Ransom, in fact, yells at Mariner for being late and also tells her to roll down her sleeves, which she does not do. She gives him a lot of guff. They take the Yosemite shuttlecraft mm-hmm. down to the planet. They're supposed to meet the Galrakians and present them with a crystal, some sort of crystal of peace or something like that. Peace. Yeah, it was a peace crystal. The peace crystal. They land. They get off the ship. They bring out the box. They open it to reveal it to the uh, Galrakians. Mm-hmm. It is not the peace crystal. Were you going to say something? No, I was snickering. Oh, it's not the peace crystal. It is a wooden, like, stump thing that is a fertility icon for the people of Mavok Prime, which apparently the, like, sworn enemies of the Galrakians. And so the Galrakians think this is a, basically a... Act of war! Act of war! And they immediately attack the way team, and the one person Vendome I guess gets stabbed and then they have to retreat and then they get captured and then they get thrown into jail and uh, that is the end of that sequence the 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 ship Cerritos is being attacked by Galrakians at this point but also things are not working on the ship in general because nobody has nobody's doing their jobs right so like the displays are not working so the captain orders the shields up and the shields don't go up and uh uh, they are the ship's lock phasers, and there's a red alert. Red alert! But the the Galrakians are beginning to board the Cerritos to take it over, and the crew is too like tired and weak to stop them. Basically, meanwhile on Galrak, the away team is like in prison, and Ransom and, and Mariner are still fighting. Ransom wants to use like a diplomatic method to get out of this. And Mariner's like, you you can't do anything. And then they're basically told that they're going to be judged for the, the lies of Starfleet, lies of the Federation. And so they will prove their innocence. How? Ah, by trial, by combat. And they will fight a giant Galrakian champion named Vindor. Yes. And the, the person who tells him this gives him a a blade of crystal. The whole planet, by the way, is covered in crystals. So crystals are a big thing for them. Obviously they're not into the wood totems of the people of Mavok prime. And he says, one of you must choose who will fight Vendor. And then of course, Mariner and ransom fight over who gets to fight Vendor. Meanwhile, on the Cerritos, everything's going completely wrong. They're surrounded by ships. The crew is still crazy. They're trying to finish their jobs and repel the Galrakians because the captain has said, I want you to repel the intruders, but also finish your jobs on time. She's truly obsessed with this idea of being on time. The only person, again, not affected is Boimler, who's like cleaning graffiti, 
and with the phaser and he's wondering why the Kalrakians are so upset and he gets surrounded by a bunch of them and then he just takes them out with the phasers and he's like, huh, we should be able to take care of these guys. They're a weaker force. So he goes to the bridge. Everything's in disarray. Shax is out of his mind. He like tackles Boimler and then he realizes he's not one of the Galrakians. And then Freeman is yelling at him, wondering why he's not there. And Boimler is saying that the bridge crew is just as overworked as the rest of the crew. And that Freeman, who at that point is like having to run to all the consoles and do things because she's the only one with like enough anxious energy to do things. And uh, Boimler sort of is like, Captain, you shouldn't have to do this. And Boimler's like, she needs the crew working faster and stricter and better. And then the Galrakians break into the bridge, but they're held back by Shax, thankfully. Meanwhile, back on Galrak, they're still fighting Ransom and Mariner, and there's some arguary back and forth where Mariner basically says, like, it's because I break the rules that I'm the one who does the right thing. And sometimes you got to break the rules, to get the job done. And then Ransom's like, you know what? You're probably right. And she's showing off all the scars she's done from all the things she's done in service. And then Ransom stabs her in the foot with the crystal, causing her to be unable to fight. And so he goes to fight Vendor. And he says, as the commander of the Cerritos, I won't let anyone else on the away team get hurt. It has to be me. He tears off his uniform in sexy, sexy fashion. He enters the arena to fight Vendor. The crowd is Vendor, Vendor, Vendor. Ransom shows up with a blade, but he throws it down. He's like, I only need my fist to do this. And then they fight. And Ransom's like, He's like pretty good. He's like dodging Vindor's attacks and he's fighting him and he's doing all this stuff. And, uh, you know, I think Mariner, even though she's got a foot wound, is uh, fairly uh, taken aback by this display. Mm. Back on the ship, uh, Freeman is starting to go like, maybe this is all my fault. I shouldn't have done this. And maybe she didn't belong in the Cardassia Prime peace negotiations anyway. If she can't even run her own ship properly. And Boimler says, hey, you're a great captain. Let us be a great crew. And uh, he takes a while. He's able to convince Captain Freeman to reinstate buffer time. And as soon as she reinstates the buffer time, the crew bands together and they start to fight back against the Galrakians. On the surface, Ransom wins his fight against Vindor. He knocks him to the ground. Vindor surrenders. The, the like a, the adjudicator, basically, whose name I wrote down, but now can't find. He's like, uh, fine, I agreed to let you go if you won by combat so you can go. But he's upset because if they had lost, they would have been killed by their they have like a crystal that crushes things. I wrote down what that is it's called the like crushing the adjudication geode. There it is. <laughs> and uh He's like, man, if we keep doing this trial by combat, we'll never get to use our adjudication geode. And it's actually Vindor who says, oh, well, maybe we should do uh, actual, you know, trials uh, and uh, stuff like that. And then uh, the adjudicator's like, no, we're going to do a race. Make me crystal cars on the Cerritos. The crew whoop the Galrakians' butts. They get the Galrakians go to their pods. They retreat. And Freeman is sort of like gives like Boimler the old Mentos, like, yeah, a fresh maker. Shax takes a team to the planet. They display the actual honor crystal. The Galrakians are sort of like, oh, sorry for our awful actions. And then Shax says something like about <laughs> that should be a quote, I guess. But uh, he calls the uh, Mavok prime people wood worshiping freaks. They all laugh. 
And then Dr. Tiana is is fixing Mariner. She asks her if she wants to get rid of her scars. Mariner's like, oh, no, I want to keep my scars. And Ransom approaches and he's like, hey, Mariner, what's up? And they're like, hey, whatever. And he's like, hey, listen, uh, I know you're going to report me to the planet, but uh, if you give me some time to get some stuff in order. She's like, you know what? I'm not going to report you. Even though you're a total narcissist, your break of protocol really impressed me. And you reminded me what Starfleet was all about. And the Ransom's like, cool. And then he's like, take her to the brig. And when she's like, why? He's like, because you never roll down your sleeves and it's a violation of the dress code. And then Mariner is dragged away by security, kicking and screaming. She says she loves, <laughs> I love the brig. I love the brig. Yes. And she's going to let someone uh, kill him next time they're on the away mission. And Ransom, who is basically a caricature of, of Riker, is like, oh yeah, she's hot. Freeman has Boimler come to her ready room and she like thanks him for like showing her the path or whatever and she thought that they would all be great but you know she's like you know what i'm instituting a new ship-wide uh mandate to be called the boimler effect and Boimler's was like oh god i have an effect named after me but actually it's an effect it's like a <laughs> it's a mandate that encourages people to take shortcuts and take break time and not blindly follow the rules Boimler tries to object. Doesn't matter because it's already a thing. He says, maybe you could change the name. And they go, nope, it's already been carved into this plaque here. And uh, later on, Boimler's with the other ensigns. And he's like, oh, God, uh, this is terrible that they've named a rule after me. But Tendi and Rutherford basically like, don't worry. There's all kinds of rules. No one will remember this. And then the final scene is in the far, far future. There's a professor teaching their class about the Boimler effect and saying it was named after Brad Boimler because he was so lazy and cut so many corners. And then the professor says, and now on to the most important person in all of Starfleet history, Chief Miles O'Brien. Here endeth episode three, season one, Star Trek Lower Decks. Whoop, whoop. Boop, 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 boop. Now I'll tell you why I love this episode so much. Please do. I will. One, we get a sense of the Cerritos having a sort of like inferiority complex. Yeah. Because she start, it starts off and Captain Freeman's like, what, I have to go and give gifts now? Exactly. I mean, already this sort of, we know this as the, the listener, that this show is going to be sort of about like, quote unquote, rejects. But, you know, they're doing second contact missions, essentially. However, mm. we don't. I love that they like kind of bring the actual characters in on this. That like maybe they, they want to be Starfleet. They want to be the best of the best. They want to be the flagship. And so the idea of like being told like actually we don't need you at the peace summit. We need you to deliver crystals to the Gaurakians and then a wood statue to Davak Prime. Uh, anyway, it's great, and I think I love that they show. There's some like uh, there's pathos to Captain Freeman. It's not merely that she's a captain. She's also like trying to do something with this ship. She's trying to be the best captain she can be. I really enjoy that. I think it's funny. I also love that uh, Mariner and what's his face. Ugh, you stop looking at your notes and you forget everyone's name. Jack Ransom. Mariner and number one don't get along. I think that's great. I think there's a tension there because we don't know this yet. Maybe I shouldn't spoil it. Spoil it? Do you want a spoiler alert? Why not? Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. There's too many sound effects now. Well, whose fault is that? Well, well, fine. 
Uh-huh. Uh, okay, listener, hit that 30-second ahead button if you don't want to spoil it. But basically, we know from having watched the whole se- series that Mariner, like, was once, like, command staff, like, pretty high up on the hierarchy and threw it all away. And so she has, like, a, there's an ulterior motive there. Obviously, it has to do somewhat with her relationship with her parents, but also her relationship with authority and power. I don't know why I'm so much. I love context and I love subtext. And even in a comedy, I love that Star Trek has context and subtext and the idea of buffer effect, like the efficiency of Starfleet is not merely that it's super efficient, but also that people have time to be, uh, you know, I don't want to say human because there's all kinds of races and species, but time to be people in between their jobs anyway. And also, Miles O'Brien is by far the most important person in Starfleet history. End of discussion. In Lower Decks history? No, in all history. Period. End of story. No one's more important all than right. Miles O'Brien. He served on the Enterprise. He served on Deep Space Nine. He was part of the, the fight against the Cardassians that helped liberate the Bajorans. He's like quintessential in his century. You, can't, you cannot say that Miles O'Brien is more important than Spock. I certainly can. No, you can't. What did Spock do? He reunified two planets? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Enterprise would have fallen apart a billion times without Miles O'Brien. And Miles O'Brien also helped the Starfleet fight against the Dominion in Deep Space Nine. He's critical, critical to the success of Starfleet in the century. I mean, listen, everyone loves a captain. Oh, the captains are so great. They have four pips. Engage. Take me to the thing. Uh, you have the con. All that business. Spock was never captain. But when the captain's like, we got to get out of here. Who do they turn to? Miles O'Brien. Who's the one that's fixing the flux capacitor bedangle dank? Miles O'Brien. You're mixing science fiction. It doesn't matter. He fixes it. He's the fixer. He's the one who figures out why the transporters don't work. He's the one that, fig- I mean, listen. What about Jordy? Yeah. He fixes Jordy- shit. Jordy fixes stuff, but he has to go into like his weird sex fantasy holographic program to figure out how to fix things. Miles O'Brien does it with hard work, determination. He literally rolls up his sleeves, picks up his toolbox, and fixes the damn ship. All I'm saying is, Miles O'Brien, more important than any captain you've ever heard of. Okay. I include Admiral Archer in that as well. Uh, are, are we? Are you done with your... Science. Kapla. Fiction soapbox. Kapla, indeed. Kapla! We haven't had a kapla for ages. Well, I felt like it needed to be stated. When are we going to do Easter eggs? Before or after Quotable? Oh, we can do Easter eggs now. We don't have an Easter egg sprout, but it can be mm-hmm. Easter eggs. You're going to get some Easter eggs. Ladies and gentlemen, we go now live to Stevie Mann's, our, our Easter egg beat. Stevie, what have you got for us? Well, hi there, Anki. It's great, great to be here. Great to be here. Uh, so we actually had quite a few Easter eggs in, in this episode, starting, in fact, with uh, the spear, the spear wound. You may remember yes. Mariner says, we live on a spaceship. No one's dying of a spear wound. When, in fact, in the original series, someone did die mm. of a spear wound. Of a spear indeed. wound. Yes. yes, indeed. Obviously, when we get to the shirt off moment, that was very Kirkian. That was very Kirk with the gore. And we, you know, obviously shirts come off. So uh, and ooh, also mm-hmm. uh, a nice uh, yes. little galaxy quest moment, if you're also a fan of the galaxy quest. Totally, by the hammer of Ragthor. Grabthar's hammer? <laughs> Grabthar's hammer? By Grabthar's oh, yes, hammer. Okay. Um, and let's see. Oh, 
uh, Captain Freeman, and she says, it's cold multitasking, people. They do it on the Enterprise all the time. That was quite a nice little Easter egg, and I'll throw mm -hmm. over. Mm -hmm. And in fact, this entire yes. episode uh, is in fact an Easter egg for the original series when uh, Scotty says to Spock, he admits to adding a multiple factor of four to his repair time. And the reason I he do does remember it, that. indeed, is because he says, uh, oh, Scotty's Scottish, right? Yes. How else would I keep my reputation as a medical worker? Not bad. I am Scottish. How dare you? It could use it could use a little work, honestly, but it's not bad. How else would I keep my reputation as a medical I worker? Aye. That's pretty good. How else would I keep my I reputation as a medical why, worker? Why are you reacting to this? <laughs> obviously, it's flawless. I don't why know because I just I just. I've heard better Scottish accents. What can I say? I'm just, I have a really strong ear for that kind of thing. Not Irish, obviously. The Argentinian from the other... Discovery. Mm -hmm. Oh, and finally, finally, in fact, actually, there's a, ton of, there's a ton of Easter eggs. Um, did you notice Boimler when he was in the turbo lift? He was humming I did. TNG yes. theme. There we go. That was, that was another one. And finally. finally, finally, the big one was... Um, do you remember Captain Jellico from TNG? Oh, no, vaguely the name is familiar, but I can't remember the plot of that episode. I think Picard was pulled off to go and do some sort of secret mission that he couldn't tell the crew about, and Riker gets lumped with this new captain, yes. acting Captain Jellico, and he comes on board, and you know, and he's like saying that every mm, the Enterprise needs to right. pull its socks yes. up and all that stuff. And he implements a new shift. So the and then we find out during this episode that the Enterprise runs on three shift: alpha, beta, mm -hmm. gamma. And Jellico introduces delta, delta mm -hmm. shift. And Tendi says, "Oh my god, I hate delta shift. It's the worst." Yeah. Giving a throwback to TNG, but also that that was implemented more widely. Yes, and also by a captain oh! that wanted to increase efficiency. Boom, boom, boom! Indeed. Boom, 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 boom. Thank you very much, Stevie. Uh, we appreciate that. Thank you for reporting it from Easter Egg Central. Back to you, Aki. Thank you. Okay. Is it time for Quotable Moments? It sure is. Quotable Moments. Okay. There's a lot in here. The one that I you just reminded me of was because of the Delta Shift thing. I don't think I actually wrote it down, but is it Mariner who says like, oh, Delta Shift, they think they're so much better than us because they're so much better than us or something like that? <laughs> I thought that was great. I didn't hear that. Um, do, 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 do. Um, <laughs> when they're having the margarita, Mariner says, look at us, lower decks, breaching protocol together. Friendship. <laughs> that was a good one. We end emotionally. Brad Boimler's, you're a great captain. Let them be a great crew. That was like discovery level intense. Yeah. What have you got? Yeah. I had just one more, I think. And it was when Mariner was fighting with Ransom about who was going to, to fight uh, the Vindor? big yeah. Galrakian. And she said, mm -hmm. sometimes you have to do what's wrong to survive. That was pretty good. And then he says, "You know, he, he says you're right." And then he stabs her in the foot. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, oh wait, I did have yeah. another. 
I quite liked it. It was a good stinger when Mariner is asked if she wants to maintain her scars and she says, yeah, man, my trophies, these are my trophies. Yeah, man. And Dr. Ta'ana says, congratulations, you look like a fucking scratching post. There you go. <laughs> See, fucking one. scratching post. Fucking scratching post. They don't have to or worry about. Bleeping. Do we bleep this? Yeah. We're not going to bleep this. I don't know. It's, uh, that's beep, beep, on beep, you. Beep. Great. Beep. Are you, I just said great. You didn't have to bleep that. Sorry. It's all right. Well, that's great. Feel free to bleep that if you want. Bleep. Post. Uh, just me saying great. Sometimes I like it when they bleep things and you're like, did they even say anything? Like if yeah. I was like, and I'll tell you why this show was my bleep king favorite show, you know, and then you could just put a bleep through it all. Are we <laughs> a little bit far too, too far behind the curtain? Maybe we should go <laughs> to next time. Let's go to next time. Next time on set phasers. Next time. On set phasers, we'll be talking about episode four of season one of Star Trek Lower Decks, entitled apparently very, uh, uh, what is the word you used? I can't remember. Apt, did I? No, you didn't say nice. apt for the title of the next episode. Uh, not insidious, pro- pro- provocative? No, it wasn't provocative. I forget. What's it called? It's called Moist Vessel. Oh, Moist Vessel. I said it was risque. Oh, risque. Risque. Yes, next week we'll be discussing the risque titled episode, Moist Vessel. Moist uh, Vessel. Just, just, just to say it Moist again, Vessel. Because I do believe it is rather risque. You literally just said fucking scratching post, but you think Moist Vessel is more risque? It's suggestive. Oh, come Suggestive. On. Moist Vessel. Moist Vessel. Well, let's get into it <laughs> next time. All right. Well, see, that's you adding to it <laughs> unnecessarily. Moist vessels, what we'll be talking about next time. Anyway, thank you for joining us. <laughs> if you enjoyed the program, uh, profanity notwithstanding, please find us every Monday wherever you get your podcasts at. We're there and you can download them. And, and please subscribe to us. And if you get the chance, go to Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us. It really helps us drive traffic towards uh, the podcast. Yeah. We, we want to build our community of fun Trek fans who want to watch Star Trek with us. And say, moist vessel. Maybe not. Um, you can find us, of course, on the old Instagram. We are at Set Phasers Podcast and we are at Set Phasers on Facebook. So please join us uh, there where we will talk about all things Trek. And I will share some Star Trek memes. Yay. Hashtag meme game strong. Is it still weird if I make it a spoonerism, if I say voiced messel? No, probably not. If you'd like to support us in our continuing mission to discover what Star Trek has in store for us, we'd only be delighted. You can patronize us. We can take it by going to patreon.com slash set phasers. And uh, there's a bunch of very cool things happening there that you can be a part of. Yes. Well, thank you so much for listening. I am Stevie Manns. And I am Aki Burmese, and this has been Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Computer. End program. Mm-hmm.